0: T'Challa fights evil in Wakanda, in the air, and in Hell's Kitchen, while his State Department liaison tries to avoid getting hit by Bill Clinton with a hockey stick. I'll tell you all about it as we take a look at the beginning of Christopher Priestron run on Black Panther ahead in the Classy Comics Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. T'Challa, the Black Panther, was the first black superhero. He was introduced in the pages of Fantastic Four by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby back in 1966. He begins by kidnapping the Fantastic Four. Good heroic opening, if I've ever heard of it, but it's only to test them to see if they would be able to help him with uh, the problems he's going through in his nation of Wakanda. He later makes a big appearance with Captain America, which leads to him joining the Avengers and becoming a long term character there, as he would appear repeatedly as a member of the team and as a guest star in other books. His own series would be a bit more challenging, though it definitely have some highlights. His first solo series wasn't in his own book, but in the series Jungle Action, and with the story Panther's Quest by Jack McGregor. The series saw him trying to stay alive against Eric Killmonger, a Wakandan expatriate who returned, hoping to claim the throne and the power of Wakanda for its own. The story had striking art. It also had some very uh, dark moments, as well as a certain reflectiveness. Many consider it Marvel's first graphic novel, this multiple part story told over two years. After the cancellation of Jungle Action, Black Panther got his own series written by Jack Kirby, who also did the art. This was a lot more adventure, fun, sci fi uh, than the uh, jungle action. And he'd also get a mini series, as well as a few more scripts by uh, McGregor, who would uh, create some sequels to his original story in the 70s. He continued to be a pretty low profile character until the 1990s. And perhaps the best thing to happen to Black Panther was Marvel going bankrupt. This led to Marvel Nights, where Marvel outsourced comics for characters who were kind of low-profile, including uh, Daredevil, Punisher, the Inhumans. Yes, pushing the Inhumans has been going on that long. And uh, Black Panther was among them. African American humor writer Christopher Priest was brought on to write the series. His status as a comedy writer shows throughout. He made many changes and expansions to Chawla's world and also redefined the character. Everett Ross, played by Martin Freeman in the upcoming movie, was created by priest. So we'll take a look at the series. We'll start by looking at his take on the characters before we get into the plots. Everett Ross is a priest big innovation. It was his idea that the comic book readership, which was predominantly white Americans needed a character who could be a bridge to uh, to who's, of course, an African. And for that reason, he creates Everett Ross, and Ross is hilarious. He can also be frustrating. Ross is the primary storyteller in the book, and he is a bit scatterbrained, uh, to put it uh, mildly. He tells the stories in whatever... Uh, order uh, occurs to him. It's kind of a thought-for-thought storytelling process. I have to admit that it probably was a bit maddening if you were getting this book one issue at a time. The book opens with Ross uh, making a grand entrance into the Black Panther series, sitting in the bathroom with a gun, but without pants, hiding from a rat. We have to take several issues to find out why he ended up in this particular situation. It's not a big deal if you're reading it in a collected edition form. But like I said, I can understand if you were reading this issue by issue, it would be absolutely maddening. Uh, For many, it was like, okay, why did this happen? Why do I have to wait to next month to find out why the things are the way they are? Ross is very humorous, very high energy. He's almost a cartoon character. He's this sort of bounce-off-the-wall kind of guy with silly and clever turns of phrases, random and uh, bizarre physical actions, as well as a comical situation, such as when he's left in charge of Wakanda while the Panther tends to some business in New York. My favorite Ross scene is when Bill Clinton is chasing him with a hockey stick while Ross tries to rollerblade away from the angry president. And again, we all have to wait several issues to find out what Clinton was so angry about. What does make Ross particularly good as a narrator, despite the scatteredness of the narrative, is his overall admiration for uh, T'Challa and the way that he works to communicate the author's uh, overall perspective. Because you remember, Wakanda at this point is the uh, home of the world's vibranium surprise, a key element in the Marvel Universe. Priest Priest's view of T'Challa, I think, is summed up pretty well in issue 12. Uh, and it's over a splash page where a giant flying submarine has come out of the East River. Ross refers to uh, T'Challa as the client. And uh, he writes, the thing people keep forgetting about my client is, well, he's a king. He's not just another nut job in tights. He's a full bird monarch from one of the most technologically advanced nations on the planet. And somehow we keep forgetting that. I mean, if there is a guy who is totally capable of hiding an amphibious craft the size of the Jupiter Two in the East River, well, a guy other than Prince Namor, my client would be it. There were over 150 heavily armed Wakandan Special Forces Group soldiers on board. How long had they been there just waiting for the King's go-call is anybody's guess. But the lump in my throat told me, for all we knew, the client could have parked 300 of these all over the country. The main difference between King T'Challa and Prince more is the attitude. Either of them could park an army in our backyard and it'd be all over before we knew what hit us. The King of New Jersey had declared war on the United States of America, but what nobody actually realized, he was totally capable of fighting it and maybe even winning it. This uh, goes to uh, build, I think, a lot of the impression of uh, Black Panther as a legitimate uh, hero and someone not to be trifled with. Other things that were introduced uh, are the Dora Melaje. Uh, and essentially, these were two karate expert teenage girls who were from rival Wakandan tribes who served as Chala's bodyguard as well as traditionally being uh, wives-in-waiting. Though it's made clear T'Challa had no intention of taking advantage of them in that way. And actually, the only really interesting thing to happen with them was when uh, T'Challa was under an influence. He thought uh, one of them was his ex-fiancee and kissed them, leading her to believe that they were engaged, which ultimately led to her doing something that had T'Challa dismiss her. Well so I think from a right uh part of the reason that she was dismissed is that they just were not interesting. So in the latter portion of the book we get a new uh member to replace the departed one, and that is uh a young woman who calls herself Queen Divine Justice. She was uh Wacom- Condon born, but uh, actually uh, raised up in Chicago and became a bit of a social activist. And Priest manages to poke some fun at that and gets away with it because it was the 1990s. He's a fun character and I think definitely adds something to the book that the other uh, girls did not quite have. There are other characters too that don't quite have much purpose. There was Zuri who is a long-time ally of of T'Challa's. He's a huge guy. He has to be about eight foot tall. He's got proportions very similar to Thor when they are in the same panel, other than provide a humorous moment every few issues. Now, in terms of plot... The first 12 issues are a pretty well-connected story, even though they ended up originally published in a couple different trade paperback. The first was the client, which essentially had the first five issues. The first part of the story finds the Panther in the United States after a child was killed who was involved in a charity that the Panther had sponsored. His investigation leads to the involvement of Mephisto, a malevolent being who is at times portrayed as the Marvel Universe's version of Satan, and at times, kinda not. In this version, I think it's more of a kinda not situation. He's clearly malevolent, very dangerous, and ends up taking T'Challa and Ross to a hellscape environment though he did first give Ross a pair of pants and with no strings attached. However, this whole thing actually had been a plot to overthrow T'Challa's government and put a mad, uh, phony religious leader named Akibi in charge. Akibi was several bricks short of a full load. Wakanda had chosen to take in refugees from a war-torn country and Akibi had been among them. This led to some resentment at home, which was then exploited and ended up putting Akibi in charge. The next half of that first year was dedicated to finding out who exactly was uh, behind this. And it ends up being a kind of uh, complicated political conspiracy involving organized crime, some actors within the U.S. government, and led to T'Challa making some accusations at the United Nations, which Bill Clinton got angry at Ross for T'Challa doing it and wanted to get him to recant them. The final five issues in the uh, Complete Collection, uh, which we're reviewing Black Panther Complete Collection Volume 1 by Christopher Priest, feature a more loose plot. Stories do tie together, but it's not quite as clear cut as in the uh, initial 12 issue run. You have him fighting Hydro Man on a hijacked airplane. You have a guest appearance by the Hulk and the re emergence of Eric Killmonger, although, what exactly his plan is doesn't emerge in this first volume. There's also an effort to kill T'Challa in Hell's Kitchen with someone having enlisted a lot of Marvel's 1970s street-level villains, such as Cotton Mouse, Stiletto, Cockroach, in order to finish off the Panther. But as the villains gather at the end of issue 16, we're introduced with the heroes who will stand with T'Challa. And uh, you have a very cool spread featuring Luke Cage. A Falcon, and Iron Hand. It's an awesome uh, close to issue 16, and issue 17 has a very solid fight. The art within the first 17 issues of this collection is uneven. There was a lot of different artists who worked on this. It started with Marx Texera. Texera's art has a kind of realistic uh, quality to it, but also there are some weird looks on faces, and some very odd things about it. The story then goes to more traditional artists, but quite a few pencilers in a short issue. We've only got 17 issues in this volume, and there were a total of five or six different pencilers on this. So you see a wide variety of art styles. Probably Joe Jusko's was the best, with a very vibrant uh, drawings that look cutting edge for the time but also uh, done in such a way that they're very attractive to look at. The book still features a lot of excesses of 1990s art, with a little bit of over-muscling here and there. And the plots do have some problems. I don't, for example, really understand the issue where... a local black politician is trying to set up a rally with T'Challa without his permission, and there's the police trying to stop him from speaking, even if it leads to a riot. And then Ross has some coherency issues of his own at times. I wouldn't uh, recommend the comic for young readers. It mostly stays out of the gutter, but there are some issues that have a moment or two you might not want to show to your eight or nine-year-old, though at four, swears gore, and overall remains pretty enjoyable. So I would gladly rate Black Panther The Complete Collection Volume 1 by Christopher Priest, a classy comic, despite its few problems. All right, that's it for now. If you have a comment, email it to me, classycomicsguy at com From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.